In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Today, Paul puts two people in a head-to-head competition, and when the dust finally clears, it turns out only one of them is God. This is day six. Welcome to the Journey Through Philippians podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's Word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Philippians can help us understand more about who God is and the story He's writing for each of us every day. Welcome back to day six. We're kicking off Monday. I'm here with Brendan Lang and Melissa Payne. Hi. Once again, Brendan is our author theologian, Old Testament scholar, New Testament scholar. All things. Scholar of all things. Keep it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lawn mower. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Water sipper. I wish I could mow the lawn, actually. That would be, like, that was one of my favorite things. Listen, don't go down that millennial sadness <laughs> train. We don't want to hear about it. And no Melissa Payne. Yeah. Melissa Hi, Payne, yeah. who is our pastor of student life. Uh, student close. life pastor. <laughs> student life pastor. Come on now. Man. I know. I think we'll finally get it. At the end of this podcast. Well, and it changes every week. That's it does. Yeah, like that is the hard part. And I can never <laughs> keep you on your toes. Question for you. That's great. For today, if you had a servant, just one servant, <laughs> to follow you around and do one thing for you every day, what would it be? What would that person do? Or who, or who is that person? I thought, I thought you were going to say who. <laughs> you can do who is that person? person? Too. Yeah, who and is it? Who or what would they do? Melissa? Yes. I can answer this pretty easily because there's one thing that I hate doing every day. Okay. And it's washing my hair. <laughs> so I literally would have a servant wash my hair for me. That's a very, mm. very best friendy type and servant. And blow dry my hair. Because oh. it just is all these... Do the scalp massage. Yes. And, uh... If I could go to a hairdresser every day, I would. Wow. Like those 80-year-old ladies that mm. get an updo. You got to find somewhere you can live that's like right above a hairdresser. I know, right? Those places have to exist. It's an easy pick for me. Yeah, there's no question. You didn't even <laughs> think about no it. There's no question. I was really ready to go. What about you? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like someone making tacos for me. Mm. <laughs> so you'd have a chef. Cooking, <laughs> a yes. Listen, that's not a bad idea. Actually, a but that, that really chef. would actually like cooking. So it would be someone who'd clean the house. Ooh, oh man. That's I, good. Like every so night. Pick I pick up after Hayden. I pick up all the cars. And I don't know why I do <laughs> There's it. There's so many cars. Yes. But, because they're just going to be right back out there. Well, the I'll tell you morning. why. Is if you have to get up in the middle of the night for Hayden, you don't want things that you're stepping <laughs> oh, yeah. on in the dark. I've been there, man. <laughs> yeah. Legos. Yeah. Ooh, that's Legos. why I clear a path. Like I don't pick up the whole room, but I clear a path. Path to my boys' beds yeah. in their room because I'm like, listen, if they need something in the middle of the night, I'm not about to stub a toe on a Lego for yeah, sure. That's that's, that's what I need. I need a cleaner. I'd probably have a driver. Ooh, because of any of the like normal servant type things, I just feel like I'm wasting time mm-hmm. in the car. Really? Yeah. Why? So you could like I be mean, working. I drive a lot. I'm taking kids to school mm-hmm. and then I go to work and then I, I pick one kid up early and then I drive back to work Isn't and then I go back to <laughs> another school and then I drive home. I'm like, that's you know, the best. What's it, the best? I mean, as a, as a creative, <laughs> for me, I love it because that's like my processing time. I would assume that as a creative, that's where like you come up with your best ideas. <laughs> Brendan's sure processing and there's just a wake of destruction <laughs> behind him. He's like, oh, did I cut that person off? That's I'm sure. Oh, wow. Oh, they're in a ditch. That's why I drive fine. so slow. I know. I'm going to process this. That's all he's thinking about. It's but literally you, all he's thinking I mean, thinking when you about. have kids like kind of maybe screaming in the car, that's you, true. you can't really process, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So I need a driver and I right. need one of those cars with like the. You need a driver for your kids. Kids is what you need. Okay, I oh, guess that's, that's true. Yeah, I guess that's called a nanny. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, I don't want to underscore what nannies do. I feel like your answer was the bougiest of all of us. Okay. <laughs> I just want a friend that will drive Tyler's, while Tyler's I'm in the already. passenger seat. Okay. Like, I would like a limo driver. Okay. All right. I don't need anything fancy. Give me a Kia. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, today we're talking about being servants and not in the way that you would think in a much more countercultural way than you'd expect. So, Brendan, why don't you take us through the commentary? For sure. Day six, people over position and pride. In Paul's day, Roman society was made up of a hierarchy of social classes that determined just about everything. They determined what a person could wear, whom they could marry, even where they could sit. So naturally, many people desired to climb the social ladder. One way they could do this was by gaining honor for themselves. We can see this especially in the lives of Roman emperors. Around this time, Roman emperors began to call themselves gods and welcome the worship of themselves as gods. In doing so, they gained honor for themselves and solidified their spot at the top of the social ladder. In Philippians 2, 1-11, Paul critiques this social structure. He does this in part by contrasting Jesus and Caesar. He writes in verses 6 and 7, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Here, Paul implicitly distinguishes Jesus from Caesar. Whereas Caesar was a man who wanted to be worshipped as God for his own advantage, Jesus was God but became a man for our advantage. In fact, he became a servant, a member of the lowest class in Roman society, and died on a cross a form of execution reserved for servants. The irony of this is that Jesus' humiliation ultimately resulted in his exaltation with every person, including Caesar, acknowledging him as the one true Lord. Jesus therefore flipped the Roman social structure upside down. Paul does not stop there. He continues to critique the Roman social structure by teaching readers to imitate Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Apparently, some Philippian Christians had sought to advance their social status to the detriment of others, and this created division in the church. So Paul let them know that as citizens of heaven, they were not to do as the Romans do, but to do as Jesus did. Jesus did not try to gain honor for himself. Jesus humbled himself because he valued people over his position and his pride. A lot has changed since Roman times, but many of us still feel the impulse to climb the social ladder. Paul's message for us is to imitate Jesus by putting others first. It was through an act of humility that Jesus repaired his relationship with us, and it is through humility that we can maintain healthy relationships with others. For day six, we're reading Philippians chapter 2, verses 1-11. through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Melissa, do you want to take us through our questions for day six and maybe just read the question and then give us a little time to process? Yeah, I'd love to. So the first question is, 
In Philippians 2, 5 through 11, Paul instructs his readers to have a mindset of humble service like Jesus. But Paul is not content to teach only with his words. He also leads the way with his actions. Reflecting back on chapter one, how had Paul already modeled a mindset of humble service? Who in your life has modeled a mindset of humble service to you? Second question. In Philippians 2.2, Paul pleads with his Philippian readers to have unity with one another. This is neither the first nor the last time that Paul makes this request in this letter. Unity was obviously a struggle for the church in Philippi. But why do you suppose unity was so important to Paul? What makes unity so hard to achieve, even in the church today? And why should unity matter to us? So, Brendan, in our scripture today, I just read it. Mm-hmm. There's like a section that obviously was written by Paul. And then there's a section that's sort of formatted differently. And it's all about Jesus. It starts with the being in very nature God. Why yeah. is that different? Why is that, <laughs> Why where is does that, that come from? Is that, is, like, that? is that just like Paul writing a poem or is it from quoting somebody else? You basically just answered it. <laughs> I don't know though. That, Which one is it? Uh, I don't know either. And the truth is, it's a big debate. This is different. This is poetic. A lot of people think of this as a song that was mm-hmm. written about Jesus that either Paul brought in that was written by someone else and Paul incorporated right here because it was influential theology and it really sums up the gospel very nicely. Or Paul wrote it himself and he used poetic language to describe uh, the work of Jesus. But I mean, that's a matter of debate. Some people think Paul wrote it. Some people think it was gotcha. um, else. So when you look hmm. at the original like language, though, it's different. Well, it, it reads like, differently, and that's why they format this differently. It has a little bit of a different rhythm. It's really poetry, kind of. So hmm. that's why you see it a little bit differently and why it sounds different when you read it. For hmm. sure. Yep. So today's reading really has a lot to do with this guy, Caesar. That's kind of the context for how... Paul compares these two ways of life. At least implicitly. Sure. It would have stuck out to them in a way that it doesn't stick out to us. Definitely. So what is the Caesar guy? Give some context around Caesar for sure. as an emperor. Caesar as a person. Like, yeah. Why does this guy think he's such a big deal? So Caesar, well, he's the most powerful guy in the world. When I say Caesar, I'm referring just to any Roman emperors. This is sort of their title. It started with Julius Caesar. He sort of led the transition from Republic to this empire. And then your first sort of official emperor is Caesar. Caesar Augustus, and they have a number of emperors after him. But these guys continued to grow in power, and they started assuming these divine honors. People would begin to worship them as Lord. You see it on coins and inscriptions. There's actually an inscription we found at Philippi. We'll see it later on in, oh, right. in the book, yeah, yeah, that refers to the divine Augustus. And so they're guys, but you know, when you're the leader of the most powerful empire in the world, people start to look at you differently and you start to look at yourself differently too. Mm. And what I think is so fascinating is Paul's writing this letter to the people of Philippi who know all about this emperor, because again, there are many Rome, they're citizens of Rome, and they want to have a good relationship with the Roman emperor. So they're worshiping the Roman emperor. That's right. In Philippi, we saw like a temple yep. to Caesar worship. Yep. There are all sorts of temples. There are all sorts of gods. They worshiped all sorts of gods, but preeminent was the temple to Caesar. And Caesar, again, he was a guy 
who sought to become like God, and he was worshipped like God for his own advantage. And what I think is so fascinating, again, Paul doesn't explicitly name Caesar here, but he plays off what would be a very clear contrast Mm. on Philippians uh, between Caesar and Jesus, because Jesus does the exact opposite. Jesus was God, but he decided to become man. He decided to take on human likeness. And so I think it would have really stuck out to them in a very profound way. And that's like kind of my tease at the intro is this idea of like, these guys are going to go head to head. Mm -hmm. But the realization is the Roman Empire is what enabled Jesus to be killed to begin with. And that's the irony of the whole situation in a direct competition on the world. Mm -hmm. We know who wins because they technically did, but there's something that transcends, you know, our physical world that we're all aware of and seeing. It's not about physical might or even our physical bodies. It's about something that transcends that. Yeah, it's the irony of it that Rome appears to be the victor. They Mm -hmm. put Jesus to death on a cross. A cross is an instrument of torture and death used strictly against foreigners or slaves. Mm -hmm. And so he dies the death of a servant of a slave and appears that Rome wins. But in the end, as we read, it's actually Jesus who becomes elevated. There's something about his crucifixion, his willingness to go to death because of what that would ultimately mean for people that led to his exaltation with him being declared the true Lord of the universe with even Caesar himself bowing and acknowledging him as God. Hmm. Probably would have made them mad. <laughs> they claim to be gods. Uh, I mean, Man, divine and we then, thought we won. Yeah, this guy, we killed him, and he's like, they're claiming that. Yeah. Just a little upset. But that's the story of the gospel, and that's the story of the king that we serve. You know, when we accept the gospel, it's not just this idea that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's part of it, but it's the fact that we're entering into a kingdom where he reigns, and he's mm-hmm. establishing that kingdom on earth, and we now are conduits of that kingdom. We help establish that while we live here as his yeah. representatives. So just like the underdog spirit in me, I love that story. Like that's what I'm drawn to is like mm. Jesus was not supposed to be the victor here, yeah. but he is for us that changes things and it cha- yeah. shapes our lives. How does it do that? Well, there are a lot of ways, but the first thing I actually think is worth noticing, because again, this is easy for us to miss is that we're really not that different from Caesar because it's the human story. If you go back to the beginning of scripture, Genesis 3, which sort of tells the story of humanity, this idea that you have humans who desired to be like God. They reach yeah. for the fruit of the tree and they're doing this because you know the serpent sees them and says, hey, if you do this, you'll be like God. And they choose that. They're humans made in the likeness of God, but that's not good enough. They're God's representatives, but they want more. They want to be God. And it's almost like how Paul says it in our reading today. Yeah. Because of selfish ambition and Exactly. Vain conceit. Vain conceit, all Mm -hmm. that. And he's playing off this language that we see in Genesis 1. Humanity was created in the image of God and his likeness. Mm -hmm. Jesus, who's God, is made in human likeness. And so he's choosing a different path than Mm -hmm. what we've chosen for ourselves. He's setting a new standard, a new way for us to live. Mm -hmm. So how do we live? What does that change for us, I guess, is my main question. I mean, I think there's this idea of this social ladder that everyone is climbing and they're... I want to be an influencer. Right, exactly. On Instagram or social media and whatever Not just in life. I just want to be an influencer. Oh, nice. Yeah, just like twist people to my will. (laughs) (laughs) Be nice. Like my driver. (laughs) Well, and I think that we do see that, you know, on social media, we see that people want the most followers and they want to get their agenda across. And maybe they feel like once they get to the top, that's where success happens. That's where they're going to find joy or Mm -hmm. contentment. And honestly, this sounds cheesy, but I mean, it's lonely at the top. You know, it's like they get up there and then they realize like, wait a second, this is not fulfilling, you know? (laughs) I used to have this on my computer, the desktop Mm -hmm. picture, Uh you you know, the demo motivating posters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I had the one that, what was it called? It was... Humility. No, it wasn't. 
and humility is the exact op- it was uh, elitism it's oh. lonely at the top but it's comforting looking down at everybody else <laughs> <laughs> is it though yeah uh, that's the, i like what you're saying because yeah. i think there's this like invisible chase mm-hmm. that people have and yeah. it's based on like counts and it's based on affirmation from their peers and seeming like they have this epic life that others wish that they had right, right? and right. everybody's in competition to get to that top point where you can be the most acclaimed or, right yeah. but you know if you like then? pill yeah. back the curtain and you actually look into their lives they're either lonely or stressed or you know they're dealing with all these other things that they're not letting other people see mm-hmm. and so i love this idea that we're talking about paul being a servant and we see that jesus was a servant in that way and understanding in the scripture that when we are servants of others when we are loving each other in humility and in service of others and putting god God first, that's when true joy, you know, Mm -hmm. takes place. Like, I think that's when you realize that you have purpose in your life and it's not Mm -hmm. just this fleeting feeling of, oh, look at me now, I'm an influencer. Well, the other thing is you don't have to chase the next thing. Right. If you can find joy Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. you don't have to keep perpetuating this vision or this goal or this next post needs to be on brand and needs to be reinforcing of my image and like you can release it all. Yeah. And like, if you're serving others. Yeah. Well, you're not chasing something. You're being. You're mm-hmm. a person. <laughs> you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're being what God created you to be. And not only that, but you're in a relationship with others too. Like when you're trying to climb a social ladder and you're trying right. to work your way up, inevitably you're always pushing you're other people pushing down. pushing people down, yeah. And what Jesus is modeling here is it's how he fixed his relationship with us, right? Mm-hmm. Like he took care of our sin problem by entering in and becoming a human and serving us. And he's saying, hey, if you want to have good relationships with others, it right. means you always put others first in your mm-hmm. marriage, in your family, with your friends, at work. If you value others first, and say, you know, I'm going to take a back seat and do what's in your best interest, mm-hmm. you're going to have a better relationship. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's really the core of not only this chapter and this week, what we're going to be talking about, but really a lot of the book of Philippians is about that. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that if we serve others truly yeah. without any sort of selfish ambition, yeah. that's when unity happens. And that's really what Paul is hoping for the whole church. That's really what we're hoping for mm-hmm. the whole church is that there's some sense of unity and collectiveness yeah. across the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But that's one of our discussion questions today. I kind of want to end on this. It's this question of why is unity so hard within the church? Like it does seem like <laughs> everybody believes something a little different. Right. There's a good amount of divisiveness and... We're in a climate, a political climate, (laughs) a social climate, where everybody believes that their truth should be the most truth. Mm -hmm. Why is this so hard? Well, I believe that unity can be hard because we're all from a different place. You know, we're all brought up differently. We're raised differently. Even in, you know, non-denominational church, you've got all kinds of different views and political views, like you said. But I think Sometimes we don't stop to like listen to another person. You mm-hmm. know, we're trying to get our point across, or we believe that the way that we were brought up is how you should believe, or this is where the church should go. And we don't stop and listen to someone else. Well, the other thing is, it's not your fault. That's the thing that's really important for people here is listen, you were brought up this way, mm-hmm. it's ingrained in you. You should be proud of this. Right. But also, we should be listening mm-hmm. because turns out that's what the gospel's about, Mm. is changing and flipping upside down the things that we thought to be true, right? I see this a lot in church, like media, Mm -hmm. like everybody's pushing and trying to compare and like, we all want to get to one place. We all want to have the coolest designs. We Mm -hmm. all want to have the coolest media. 
because we think that's going to help us relate with our culture the right. best. But the reality is, if we are serving our community, mm-hmm. that looks different for everybody. Yeah. And the hype-based media or the super awesome fill-in-the-blank design, video, mm-hmm. anything, that's what it really comes down to is look at your community mm-hmm. and how are you serving them best? Because mm-hmm. when it comes to serving, that's where the true victory lies in being a servant. Thanks for joining us for the Journey Through Philippians podcast. If this is your first time, we're so glad you checked us out. Keep listening. If today didn't seem like your cup of tea, check back tomorrow. Every single day is just a little bit different. To check out even more resources like videos from Philippi, children and family resources, and eBooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org and follow us on Instagram at willowcreeknS. Be sure to share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag willowjourney. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow.